0: All right, Alex, you know that Iowa Northwestern is playing at Wrigley Field this weekend. You know this, correct?
1: Yes, yes, I know.
0: So I'm I'm going to be in Chicago this weekend, so I, I'm going to try in all my power to be at this game because I think it is going to be so much fun. I have my sources. I have my people. So maybe maybe we'll do a little bit live on site from – the, the crown jewel of the Big Ten West. Um, but I do have a question for you because Iowa Northwestern at Wrigley Field, very odd, but also kind of a cool concept. Give me your number one college football matchup and location.
1: And this can be, I'm assuming because we're using this as an example, it can be any location. Like, doesn't have to be a football stadium.
0: doesn't have to be a football stadium, but it has to be feasible that... The game of football could be played there.
1: Football can be played there. Ooh.
0: So, like, not, like, not Northwestern and Indiana in the Bermuda Triangle. Like, we're not talking about that.
1: <laughs> um, oh, God. By dream matchup. Do you have one ready to go? Uh, kind of. Kind of. Well, you work yours out on the fly here while I think.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I am infatuated with all the weird locations that we play bowl games here uh, for bowl season. Um, I want to see Michigan play, like, frickin' Texas in the Bahamas. At that Bahamas, like, stadium that they got there. I think that would be so much fun. And it's just, like, you're literally in the most beautiful place on planet Earth. And then you get to go, like, down the street and go to this weird-looking, like, soccer-slash-football stadium. And it's not... The Bahamas Bowl is actually in Charlotte this year because they're renovating it because it looks so weird on television. They just have, like, a random Mac and Sunbelt team playing in this bowl game. But put Michigan and Texas in there and pack that place out for all the local Bahamians and then also the fans that will travel there for that.
1: I love it. I think, you know what, oddly was one of the first things that came to mind. Do you remember when Michigan State and North Carolina played basketball on the the aircraft carrier? On the aircraft carrier. Yes, I do. I would love to watch, like, Army-Navy now, they probably can't play on an aircraft carrier because the football field's way too big, but, like, if they were to play outdoors... like
0: Vietnam. <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. Wait, that's not... Oh, shoot, you weren't going to say that. My bad.
1: I want Army-Navy to play at Hiroshima. <laughs> no, no, no. Ah! <laughs> can we say that i don't know i don't know that we can say that oh no i want them i want them to play at some like on the shore of some war like memorial like where pearl harbor happened like that would be cool to me okay
0: we can (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh <laughs> i have i have i have nothing to say i have nothing to say
1: oh god well if you love big ten football then you came to the right place god ladies and gentlemen really. welcome to big banter oh follow us on instagram and threads at b1g banter and uh, follow us on twitter or x at b1g banter pod Corey, say something nice to the people. Oh, goodness.
0: Everyone, please forgive us. It's a hypothetical. We love everybody who listens and people who don't listen because we are not hateful individuals. But truly, thank you all for listening. Uh, It's always fun to be able to speak our mind on the state of the Big Ten um, and then have uh, people to listen. Uh, So thank you very much. You're all beautiful on the inside and the out. And let's watch some football.
1: I uh just wanna say on behalf of Big Banter, we acknowledge that Hiroshima and Pearl Harbor were horrible tragedies and my grandfather fought in Vietnam so I can make as many jokes about Vietnam as I want to.
0: I think I had like a relative who died in the Gulf War. So am I only allowed to joke about that one?
1: Yeah, we need to make a list of the wars that we can use in jokes and and make fun of them. Oh goodness. Ter-
0: we should do this
1: f- we should do this for everything, just to just to keep our reputations clean. Golly. Like, I don't know anyone in that, you know, 9-11 happened to, so no 9-11 jokes for oh, me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's go. We need to talk about okay. football. All right. Uh, a lot happened this week. Um, we are recording on Halloween night, so we are obviously reacting to college football playoff rankings today. We have Jim Harbaugh potentially signing a record-breaking contract in the midst of this investigation. We have Brian Ferentz news. We have actual Big Ten games that were important that happened this weekend, and then Big Ten West shakeups. So much. So let's start with uh, let's start with the little news, or compared to CFP rankings and stuff. So Brian Ferentz, it's been announced he's going to continue through this twenty twenty three season starting his Derek Jeter-esque farewell tour, and then he is out at Iowa. He will not be returning as the OC because they're averaging about 19 points per game right now, which is about a touchdown shy of what he was supposed to meet. Um, None of us are surprised. We are all very happy, I think. I think this could potentially be a really good thing for Iowa, but Corey, you were talking about a potential chain reaction here involving, uh, well... Brian's father, Kirk. So what have you got?
0: So if you're looking into the Iowa chat room, circles, Twitter, X, all of those things, um, there is the growing um, narrative that Kirk Ference was, A, blindsided by this news, which I don't necessarily know how you can be blindsided by this news. Um, but I would think... The idea is that he feels like his, like, chain of authority has been questioned, I guess, because the interim Iowa athletic director had to step in, uh, and uh, she, Beth, Betha Gates is her name, G-O-E-T-Z, uh, I need clarification on how to pronounce that, um, but she stepped in and then made a statement on behalf of the university saying that, you know, we're going to keep brian until the end of the year but we want our fans boosters and everybody who you know supports the iowa football program to know and understand that this 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 time period will be coming to an end which kudos to her because i think we've been saying this all year and especially ethan has been saying this all year like when are the boosters going to stand up for this and put an end to it and we have an interim I repeat, interim athletic director saying, um, nope, we're not going to do this anymore. Uh your offense doesn't know how to uh be offensive. Um and, you know, we need to
1: stop this." So they they know how to be offensive.
0: Yes, they do. And uh they caused their uh very homer uh, announcers on the Varsity Network radio um feed to be like, "Oh gosh, we have to watch the Iowa offense now on the field." So Great news for Iowa fans. I think they can breathe a sigh of relief. But, uh, again, to the Kirk Ferentz piece, a lot of it was like, I think the words he used, he felt like he got hit by a bus, which I mean, yeah, you got to fire your kid. That's sad. Um, but also like, come on, like your football team was literally suffering because your inept son was running a part of your program. Um, I have seen some things that, you know, Brian was a very good offensive line coach before he was an offensive coordinator. Um, So maybe he will get a shot someplace else that isn't Iowa to be, you know, that offensive line coach again. And there still could be a future for him. We don't know. But it seems like for both of them at Iowa, it's coming to a close once we know for a fact one writing might be on the wall.
1: Yeah, this is a very good announcement to make because... I'm sure everyone was wondering in the back of their mind, like, okay, obviously they're not gonna hit twenty five points per game. So are we just gonna like rip the band-aid off or are we gonna suffer through the rest of the season? And I feel like announcing this is very much a like out of respect for Brian and Kirk, we're gonna let him finish the season and, you know, not just pull the the rug out from underneath him, but at the same time, out of respect for our fans and boosters, like you said, we have to let people know that we understand how bad this is and we're not going to allow this to continue. So with Brian going out the door, like you said, you know, Kirk has been blindsided. It begs the question, is Kirk going to leave voluntarily? Is there, is there going to be a mutual like, yeah, this ain't going to work now because this is awkward. And also we want our football team to be better because Iowa also has to think to themselves, Luke Fickle has now joined the conference. Matt rule has now joined the conference and has Nebraska in a place. I did not think Nebraska would be in their first year. Oregon is joining the conference with Dan Lanning, USC with Lincoln Riley. I forget Washington's coach's name, but he's really freaking good and has Washington playing great football. If Iowa were to stick with the same old script, they would get left in the dust very, very quickly. So it feels like they are in a situation that Wisconsin was a year ago with Paul Crist, where they had a chance to make a statement and say, we're going to make a decision now that mediocre football is not good enough anymore at Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see if this, the staff and the, the leadership at Iowa is willing to make that same kind of statement this off season. So Brian Ferentz say your goodbyes in the next couple of weeks, he gone and he's leaving with a bang. I mean, this Iowa Northwestern game has opened up with the lowest ever over under total for an FBS football game. I think it's, Tw- 29 and a half, right?
0: Hammer it. Hammer, Hammer the it. under. <laughs> Hammer easy play. That's a that's a bonus bonus bet from Big Banter. That's a that's a BBB <laughs>
1: <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Hammer the under on the lowest ever opening under for an FES football game. The gift that keeps on giving, Brian ferentz ladies and gentlemen. He's out. All right. The other big news, Uh, Michigan and a lot of their, you know, I don't know about beat writers, but people with inside knowledge of the program are reporting that Jim Harbaugh is going to be offered a record-breaking contract this week that's going to make him the highest paid coach in the Big Ten and that it should be a done deal before the week ends, which there's a few things that I personally am thinking about drawing conclusions or conclusions I'm thinking of drawing from this. One, does Michigan think they're firmly in the clear? Like, have they had their lawyers look into everything and say, yeah, the NCAA doesn't have a case against you. Jim's going to be fine. You guys will be fine. At most, Connor's going to be, well, Connor's going to be gone anyways, but like at most, the NCAA will punish him, and you guys are in the clear. So go ahead. Make Jim Harbaugh the highest-paid coach in the Big Ten. So does Michigan have a sense of, safety and security that we don't know about. That's the first thing. My second thing, which is more of a question than a conclusion, what is the buyout going to be like on this contract? Because I know that was one of the things, one of the hangups with Jim and the athletic department when they were negotiating this earlier in the offseason was Jim wanted a small buyout in case an NFL job that was enticing came along, uh, or at least that was the theory, and Michigan wanted a very large buyout. So now that they've agreed to this, I'm very, very curious how this buyout on the contract is going to compare to other coaches in the conference and around the country. So those are my thoughts on on this.
0: Well, to answer the first question as far as like is Michigan in the clear, uh, who the heck knows? This has been the most wild ride that we have ever seen, at least from. Uh, the 50 other off-seasons where Jim Harbaugh could be going to the NFL or he could be coming back to Michigan. You know, people have been glued to their message boards and all of that stuff. I will say this. I'm not a smart man by any stretch of the means. However, I do – Preach. Pre- <laughs> Preach. I do know that if you want good lawyers, there's a few places that you would pick them from. You'd probably pick them from like places like Yale Harvard, Stanford and, and and Michigan would be one of those one of those places to find good lawyers would you would you agree I, with that?
1: I've been to the law quad at Michigan It's very nice and there's always lots of people in it reading so but I think I think good lawyers read
0: good good lawyers read I, I would love to learn how to read someday but um, I, if anybody is gonna know whether or not uh, the any rule, Upside down, over and out, whether it's gray, black, or white, if anybody's gonna know it, it's probably those selection of of lawyers there. So I think you're correct in saying they've looked at this rule that they're being accused of breaking, and it's like, hey, like what they're gonna book you on is minimal. And if they try to book you on anything else, we're gonna we're lawyering up and we're gonna we're gonna put an end to this nonsense. So that's question number one. Number one and then question number two uh, kind of answers the same with question number one is I don't think anybody really knows for whatever reason we get all this information from the Michigan program from these insiders and it seems to be fairly accurate, but we have never got an inkling of information about a buyout, right We've never got an inkling of information about even some contract details. It's like, oh yeah, we signed a contract. It's like okay well, what exactly is the contract? It's like, okay, we have the basics and we don't really have anything else. Uh, to me, I, I I mean, everybody's expecting a massive buyout. I I think it's going to fall somewhere in the middle because I don't think the narrative of, oh, is Jim Harbaugh going to go to the NFL is going to really die down until Jim is done coaching. I think we're just going to get that every year, but to subside it is what I think the, you know, the Michigan athletic program is trying to get at. So they're going to settle on a number in the middle that is substantial but not substantial enough to not stir up the rumor mill every year. It'll be less than, so it won't be like, oh, like he, he's interested in the Broncos' job. It's like, well, if he's interested in the Broncos' job, he's going to have to have, like, they're going to have to pony up 14, or whatever the number is. I don't know what the exact number is, so don't make me look like an idiot. But um, it's going to fall somewhere in the middle, not enough to – completely dispel NFL rumors but enough to make it seem like if we get those rumors that something legitimate is actually happening
1: yeah I think that is well said and uh with that let's ditch the news because the first edition of the college football playoff rankings came out today so we'll let you know where the big 10 teams are at and then I'm going to give you I don't know Should I just rattle off all top 25, or is that too much?
0: Too much. Just do the top 10.
1: Okay, I'll do the top 10. Well, I'm going to have to go a little beyond that because Penn State didn't make it. Eee! Awkward. Oh, God. You did that on purpose. (laughs) Okay, so at 11 is Penn State. At 10 is Ole Miss. At 9 is Oklahoma. 8 is Alabama. 7 is Texas. Six is Oregon. Five is Washington. So Washington is the first one out. Here we go. The top four. Number four, Florida State. Number three, Michigan. Number two, Georgia. And number one, you the people, your Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State Buckeyes come in at number one in the college football playoff rankings. It tasted like vinegar. Saying it, but we're an unbiased podcast. Blah, 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 blah. No, we're not. <laughs> no, no,
0: we're not. <laughs>
1: no, we're not. I hate those guys. Um, initial reactions from you, Corey. Uh,
0: the the narrative was that uh, the the powers that be at the college football playoff committee were going to look at resume over um, record. Uh, And that's exactly what happened. At least for the most part, it made sense. The only thing that didn't really make sense was the Texas-Oklahoma placing because in the head-to-head and relatively similar records, um, Texas is over Oklahoma, losing to Kansas, who, which is now a top 25 team in the college football playoff ring. So none of that, that doesn't really make sense necessarily. But we've said it, I think, for the past three weeks, Ohio State has the best resume in the country right now. Road wins against Notre Dame, top 15 team, and then also a head-to-head win against Penn State at home. Um, Have they looked good doing it? Not necessarily, but they've won the game. And at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't matter uh, how good you look when you win games. It matters that did you win the game, because I'm sure everybody would take a national championship if that meant they won every game by one point. I would take that nine times out of ten. That's what Ohio State's doing right now. Um, And they're playing the teams that they are scheduled in front of them uh, that have the records and the the resumes that are, you know, how it's played out. Um, And they got rewarded for it, so congrats to them. Um, Georgia and Michigan's schedule are two of the toughest remaining schedules in the country. I believe Michigan is the number one toughest schedule remaining out of anybody in college football. So these rankings are going to change. It's the very first one. What I would have been upset as, as a Georgia and a Michigan fan, um, if those two teams were left out of the playoff. And I think only one of them would have been left out because there's only four undefeated teams. Or yeah, there's five undefeated teams right now. Um, And Georgia was number one preseason. They haven't lost. You're not going to drop them. Michigan was number or number two preseason, and they haven't lost either. You're not going to drop them. So you're going to have to play your way in if you're another undefeated team on the outside. Uh, but this is why we play the games. So I'm not too wrapped up in a rankings, especially the first college football playoff rankings now, because everything is going to get flipped upside down on its head. Um, but for the most part, I think they got it right.
1: Yeah, the first initial rankings are always funny because at the end of the day, they don't really matter. Right, like they they kind of matter, but all of this we always argue about all of these different scenarios, like everyone does. National media, us, everybody, but at the end of the day, this all works itself out. Like I I can only remember one instance in the playoff era where there was actually a real significant debate on who the number four team was going to be, and it was I believe the first edition of the playoff where it was Ohio State or Baylor. Um, when Baylor had a really, really good year. But outside of that, everyone's top four always seems to be a really consensus top four. So and to these rankings, though, I was very happy that Ohio State was number one because I I wanted the commitment from the committee to be, like you said, uh, you, we want you to play tough teams. We're going to put the the weight of the rankings in the resume. And you listed off who, Notre, who who Ohio State has beaten, Notre Dame being one of them, and then uh, Penn State at 11. So two top 15 teams. That's the best resume in the country right now, so that should be the number one team in the college football playoff rankings right now. Now, in terms of style points, they get zero. But the committee is telling you we care more about the resume than we do about style points. I was a little bit – I shouldn't say – I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed that Georgia was above Michigan because while Georgia's played a slightly more difficult schedule than Michigan, they still haven't played or beaten a top twenty-five CFP team just like Michigan. And Michigan has been more convincing in their wins. So personally, I would have had Ohio State one and then Michigan two and then Georgia three. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter all that much. So I was confused a little bit with some of these some of these teams that played head-to-head. And some of them are ranked according to how they played that game, and some of them are not. Like Washington and Oregon, they are ranked how they played that game. So Washington is five, Oregon is six, because that head-to-head, the CFP is basically telling me that head-to-head matters. But when I look at Oregon's schedule, they have beaten – uh Utah, who is at where are they at on this list? They are at 18 on the CFP rankings. Washington, Oregon's the only team they've beaten. It's a better win than Oregon, but they don't have haven't played anyone else yet. So I feel like you could have made a case that Oregon has the more recent better win. They looked better. The Washington game was a toss-up. You could have put them above, but they're respecting the head to head. Okay, I get it. They respect the head to head. But there are games in here where they didn't respect the head-to-head. Um, Texas OU, you mentioned it. They didn't respect the head-to-head. Now, OU lost an extra game. But it's it. tell me what matters more to you. What's happened outside of that game or what happened in the head-to-head game? And I feel like the CFP committee is always very inconsistent when it comes to that. Yeah,
0: they're very inconsistent. They need to get to that basis because I – if you are going down to one team, and like this is how conferences, like the championship games work, like one losses and you're tied, who won the head to head? Then that means you go. So if we have an instance like that with a Washington and Oregon and they have the same record, because generally after a full season, especially if you're in the same conference, you're going to play the same level of competition. So like your schedules are going to even out, right? So if anything, I guess like the the pre final rankings is just where things are at right now. Maybe that's what we need to understand as fans, but like what's crazy is like the head to head's not going to matter right now, but it'll matter like the last rankings, which is kind of weird and funny, I guess, especially if you have the same record. So it's a jambled mess. It's supposed to start conversation dialogue. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I know we weren't going to talk about the rest of the top 25, um, but air force, Undefeated, go Air Force. We we love the troops. Um, should be ranked higher, in my opinion. Uh, and can we get some justice for James Madison? James Madison, I believe, is seven or eight. No, right now. And because of their move up from the FCS level, or uh, I, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't tell the one B or whatever level it is. Uh, they yeah, are yeah. they are bowl ineligible, and I guess I found out today they are ineligible to be ranked in the college football playoff rankings as well, which is an outright. That's that. If we want to talk about stupid, outdated, dumb rules as Michigan fans, we should be talking about this rule because they're being penalized even though they're good right now, and that is a crime. Because, heck if James Madison went undefeated and they beat some power five team on the road this year, put them in the playoff. I don't care. Do it. We did it for Cincinnati. We did it for, you know, whoever, like don't penalize teams for being good. It's ridiculous.
1: It is ridiculous. My last thing I want to talk about before we get into specifically scenarios for Michigan, Ohio state and Penn state is Florida state has not gotten Really, any help from the teams that they are playing in the ACC? So LSU, we thought at the beginning of the season was going to be a tremendously awesome win for them. At the time, it was obviously the best win in the country. Week one, LSU has fallen to fourteen. LSU plays Bama this week. If they lose to Bama, they're going to fall even farther. LSU or uh, FSU beat Clemson on the road at Clemson. Huge win, and eh, Clemson's not in the CFP top twenty-five. So. You look at a Florida State and you think, "Wow, they might need to go undefeated in order to guarantee their spot in the CFP." Because if you compare, if you compare, let's say Florida State trips up against, I don't know, a Miami, okay, and they lose to Miami, but they win the ACC championship as a one-loss conference champ. Let's compare them to a one-loss Oregon, shall we? Oregon will have lost to the seventh best team in the country, at least, or sorry, fifth, based on the CFP rankings. They will have wins over Utah and USC and Oregon State. Florida State's not getting in over an Oregon team that has a resume like that. Or vice versa, if it's a Washington, a one-loss Washington that's a Pac-12 champ, or a one-loss Texas with a win over Alabama, Florida State has to be unblemished if they are going to make the college football playoff because the rest of the ACC is doing them absolutely no favors.
0: They also may not get the benefit of playing in their conference championship game. It might be a USC situation where it hurts them if they lose. Um, So, like, there was a couple, like, Georgia, like, they could have lost and they would have been fine. Michigan could have lost and they would have been fine. Um, There's a likely, not likely, but it could happen where Virginia Tech is your representative as the second ACC team to play in the ACC championship Virginia Tech is bad. They lost to Purdue at home earlier in the beginning of this year, so that should tell you about their football program. But the ACC is down, and they've been able to win most of their ACC games, and a 7-5 and five Virginia Tech team could be in the ACC championship game, and that would be bad news for a Florida team that desperately needs as many wins or <laughs> a clean slate, record to get into the playoff so i agree
1: okay let's talk about the scenarios for the big 10 team so ohio state being at one ohio state has a good enough resume right now and has good enough wins already on their resume that if they're a one loss big 10 conference champ they're in now two losses don't you know i don't even i don't think a two loss ohio state makes it the big 10 conference championship game anyways but a one loss ohio state conference champ makes this college football playoff. Do you agree? Absolutely. Okay. So that's it for Ohio State. You can lose one game, but as long as you win the conference championship, you're in the playoff. That's the end-all be-all for Ohio State. Michigan. Now, do you think Michigan has the same luxury as Ohio State to be a one-loss conference champ, given that really the only two teams on their schedule are Penn State and Ohio State? Like, Could they afford to lose to one of those and still make the conference championship game.
0: Honestly, I don't think the math works out. I don't think there is a scenario where Michigan is a one-loss conference champion. Like I don't think the math works because I don't know the tiebreakers. It, it are... would
1: have to. It would have to. It wouldn't wouldn't it have to be a loss to like Maryland, but they beat Penn State and Ohio State?
0: I guess so. In that case, then I mean, you beat Penn State on the road. You beat the number. If if everything holds, you beat the number one team in the country at home like you would have to go I would think because that's that's two of the best wins in the country
1: yeah it would be so for Ohio State and Michigan both I think big picture destiny is in your own hands so just win and you're in absolutely Um, Penn State on the other hand needs a lot of help so first off they need to be a conference champ Okay, they're sitting at one loss right now, that one loss being to the best team in the country, according to the College Football Playoff Committee. So it's the best loss of any one team right now. But they need wins is the thing. They need wins on their side. And right now, really the only remaining win for Penn State on the schedule that would be glamorous and shiny and pretty for the College Football Playoff Committee is Michigan. So Penn State fans, if you are still holding on to hope, college football playoff hopes you need to beat Michigan and you need Ohio State to lose twice theoretically or realistically one of those times would be to Michigan and one of those would be to one other Big Ten team on their schedule it would not matter
0: yeah it would have to be I think Rutgers or Minnesota then so Ohio State would theoretically need to lose two of their four
1: final four. correct they would correct they would need to lose two of their final four in order for penn state to get a ticket to the big 10 championship game and have a shot at the college football playoff have we have we run through the scenarios have we summed it up that quickly yes
0: but what about iowa i'm just kidding
1: oh my god i don't want to know what would have to happen in the college football landscape in order for iowa to make the playoff. It's impossible
0: <laughs> it's impossible
1: they would have to move to a 12-team playoff very early. Maybe, maybe a 15-team, maybe a 16-team playoff. Who knows? So those are the rankings. Those are the Big Ten scenarios. And this kind of feels like where the season starts. Now that we have the first CFP rankings, everything feels a little weightier, a little more important as we go on in the season. So it's a very, very fun time to be a college football fan. Well, depending on the school, I guess. Okay, so we actually have real football that happened this weekend that we have to talk about. It wasn't just news and rankings. We had Big Ten football that happened. It was important Big Ten football. It was surprising Big Ten football. We'll start off with the primetime game. Ohio State beats Wisconsin 24-10 to in what ended up being a nail-biter. I did not expect it to be. And if you would have told me before the game that Braylon Allen would have had to leave in the, in the at halftime, And not play in the second half due to injury. I definitely would have picked Ohio State to cover still. Did not happen. But in typical Ohio State fashion this year, zero style points. But a win is a freaking win. And it's a win on the road at night at Camp Randall. You can't complain about that if you're a Buckeye fan. Like you're churning out victories on the back of Marvin Harrison Jr. He's your best football player and he's out there playing like the best football player. He had six catches for 123 yards. And two touchdowns. Now the Michigan fan in me keeps saying, you can't keep getting away with this. You can't keep playing this level of football and winning, can you? But they keep proving me wrong and making me eat crow every single week because I'm watching Wisconsin on the goal line and freaking their new quarterback, because of Tanner Mordecai, is out, Braden Locke, he throws that wide receiver screen. That was a walk-in touchdown. Oh, threw the ball low and away and the dude caught it with a knee on the ground. So they're down and they get stuffed and they have to kick a field goal. Like stuff like that just keeps happening to the teams that Ohio state is playing. And part of it is Ohio state's defense is really freaking elite. And I think part of it is the teams they're playing are not the best, but it doesn't matter because they're winning football games and they're winning it on the backs of a, on the back of a great defense and on the back of Marvin Harrison jr. And they're winning games the way we haven't seen them win before, which is probably part of the inner conflict I have about how good their team is.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and when it comes down to it in the, the buzzword for Michigan fans to Ohio State fans is toughness, right? These are tough wins that are churning out here. These these by the hair on your chinny chin chin um and you're you're figuring it out as you go like yes you do have literally the most talented player in all of college football in marvin harrison that is well documented um but still a wide receiver is not going to win you games alone like you have to you have to get uh support from the rest of your supporting cast uh you know mccord has done what he's needed to do a la uh, a Cade McNamara um the defense has done what they've needed to do uh you know uh and they've gone out and they've taken care of business at the end of the day that's what you want um and um you know uh I do think that those close wins bring a level of toughness to your team now how how much that will matter at the end uh, of the season we're not sure because there's a very big game at the end of the year and we're all kind of anticipating for the third year in a row an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object um with a lot on the line in a on a Saturday afternoon um but you know this Ohio State team has overcome some injuries as well uh, uh Mayan Williams will be done for the rest of the year uh so how will uh, their? Uh, running game uh, be affected by that um, will they be able to run the ball as effectively or not as effectively uh, as they've been throughout this season um, and listen you got to give them the benefit of the doubt Ohio State has built a culture and I talked about this last week of winning uh, and you're seeing that unfold right now um, so you know I'm getting more nervous I maybe, I, maybe my uh, confidence was ill found uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, but this is why you play the games. So um, I don't sleep on them. Don't sleep on them because that's where they hurt you.
1: Yeah, you really can't sleep on them because even though they might not be passing the eye test, you know, and they're not winning in a sexy way, they they just freaking win. And they've got right now they're up to number four in total defense rankings in the country, and then. You made actually a really good point, which is something I've said in the past, which close games, winning close games does bring a level of toughness. And winning close games, you know, stupid fans like us like to watch them and and say that, oh, there's no style points, and they're actually a weak football team, and eventually they lose. Sometimes that is true. But a lot of times when you know a team like Ohio State has the kind of talent that they do, Winning close games is a skill. Winning close games is a talent for elite football teams. And Ohio State has that talent right there where they, you know, it almost feels a little bit Michigan-esque from the last two years where, you know, even the Ohio State game last year where we ended up blowing them out and winning by double digits, that was a one-possession game at one point in the fourth quarter. But eventually they lean on you they wear on you, and boom, you look up at the scoreboard and you're getting blown out, right? That's what Ohio State is doing right now. And you mentioned Mayan Williams, that hurts a lot. If Travion Henderson stays healthy, that would be big for them because I forgot to mention his stat line. He just casually had 162 rushing yards, uh, 45 uh, receiving yards, and one touchdown against Wisconsin. Like, no big deal. Your first game back healthy and you do that. So if they can get... Travion healthy, playing that level of football, keep Marvin playing the level of football that he is, and play just absolutely elite level defense. That could be a recipe to take down Michigan for the first time in three years and win the big T- and win the big ten and potentially win a national championship. like it, they could do it that way.
0: I I do want to say one thing because I was was driving again this weekend and I was listening to the pregame call for Wisconsin-Ohio State uh, and the Wisconsin guys were talking about like, okay, how do you bottle up this uh, Ohio State offense? And uh, they said, you know, there's not really much of a weakness to this team. um, But if there were, if we were to pick something, it would be how effectively they run the ball. And that's crazy to think, cause they've got a really talented, uh, you know, a running back room. Um, but they said if they are held to like around 120, a hundred rushing yards, that's when you can find them and get them in trouble. So we talked about like, Oh, you lean on them. You build the trenches. How did Michigan beat Ohio state these past two seasons? It was because they were able to run the ball effectively and late in the game. Now, Michigan looks a little bit more of a dynamic offense. Um, but, like, how, how effective can Ohio State do by pulling away at the end? Are they going to have to rely on Marvin Harrison? Or are they going to have teams that are going to force them to run the ball early and then hopefully bottle that offense before it can get off the ground? Um, so if I were to say anything, like Michigan has been dominating the teams that they've been playing absolutely throughout this whole time. Um, can they still effectively run the ball? And I would think, I would hope, because they've kept Blake Corum healthy. And why am I talking about Michigan when it's Ohio State-Wisconsin? But um, that's just what this whole season is because,
1: because the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be the game. Again, it is going to be the Big Ten championship game for the third year in a row. I hope so. <laughs> and I hope my team wins.
0: But um, we'll see. Um, we'll see. And I don't think – and I guess I haven't seen it yet. Ohio State be that elite running team
1: uh, quite – yet this season especially in short yardage situations that seems to be a real kryptonite for them is the short yardage situations where you got to really just like nut up and get a yard and a half two yards three yards that seems to be where they've struggled and you know at some point there's going to be a close game where you need one of those and if you don't get it it'll cost you and you know, they might do what Michigan did last year, right? Because Michigan never had an explosive pass play. And then all of a sudden against Ohio State, they're, you know, throwing bombs left and right. Ohio State might do that. They just might finally say, yeah, we've had it in the bag. We just never actually pulled it out. You know, so I, I'm, I'm doubting this team less and less because they just keep winning football games. And that cures all. So Ohio State gets a big win against Wisconsin. Now, the team Ohio State played last week, Penn State. They followed up what was a very disappointing performance against Ohio State with a very disappointing performance against Indiana. Now, they did get a win. They won 33 to 24, but it wasn't pretty by any means. Indiana actually had a lead in this game at one point, 14 to 7, where both of their touchdowns, get this one play, 90 yards was one touchdown drive. And then uh, what was the other one? One play, 69 yards. Nice. For their next touchdown drive. Like, just big play and big play, and then, boom, you're down 14-7. to seven. Um, Now, ironically enough, something Penn State struggled with was the explosive plays as well and the explosive pass plays down the field. Well, that was how they end up winning the game. They went on a three-play, 78-yard touchdown drive where Drew Aller uh, threw a pass for, God, how long was that one? I can't remember. It was a long touchdown pass. Oh, 57 yards. It was a 57-yard touchdown pass that ended up really sealing the game for them um, and putting it out of reach of Indiana. So they get the win. It's not pretty. I can't imagine, Corey, that Penn State fans felt great about watching that one after the abysmal offensive performance against Ohio State. I think the alarming thing is that
0: they didn't run the ball very well at all. Um, Katron Allen, I think, only had 80 yards rushing against a very, very – very bad Indiana team. I don't want to understate how bad this team is because they are atrocious. Okay. So, uh, I think we were all shocked that Indiana kept this. Club. I mean, this was a super lock for us, uh, last week on the pod. And the fact that Indiana was winning in happy Valley at very much at any point in this game was alarming. I don't know how they did it. Truly. I could not believe my eyes watching this game. Um, but I think you're right. The explosive plays still were not there. Um, Aller's stat line looked, uh, if you look at just the stats alone, um, you'll see, and I guess you'll, you'll focus on that he had a pretty good you know, game, 20 of 31 for 210 yards and three touchdowns, but he did have an interception. Um, it was just weird the whole thing was weird and they, and like Indiana kind of bottled them up and they, you know, they forced a non-explosive offense to, you know, even more so to make sure that it wasn't going to be explosive. But then like it happens most of the time for Indiana, everything kind of unravels and the talent takes over. Um, and Penn state was able to just rely on their talent. Um, Cause kudos to the Hoosiers. I think that was their best complete game that they played all year. Um, and it came up in a loss um, but I think that just shows you that you know Tom Allen needs to go, um, and I, I I feel like two back to back performance. If it, it's it's different if it's one performance. Okay, it's a slip up. Uh, it's you know I, I'm not going to say a fluke, um, but I think you're seeing the true colors of this team. They got they had high expectations, you know, a lot of things on the line going up against Ohio State, and they lost. And the response was barely beating a putrid Indiana team. I think that says a lot about Penn state and how we should view them moving forward.
1: Yeah, I agree that the response is not at all what you're looking for from a truly elite football team. You mentioned the interception too, from drew Aller. It was his first of the season. It came at such a critical point in this game too. The interception was on their side of the field when Penn state was up three. And thankfully, their defense which is also a lead up up there with Ohio State and Michigan in terms of ranking in the country they held them to a field goal they kept the game tied at 24 but that's a game tied at 24 late in the fourth quarter after you just turned the ball over against Indiana at home in Happy Valley not a situation you expect to be in if you're Penn State so yeah not a great response you got to be uh You know, I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the CFP stuff. I asked if Penn State fans were still holding on to hope for the CFP. You have to, right? That's what sports is about, holding on to hope. But the performance against Indiana didn't give you much. But we've also said, too, winning close games for elite teams is a skill. Maybe this toughens them up. I don't know. But they're going to really have to put on their A-plus performance to beat a team like Michigan.
0: I do think it's different, though, because it's this is coming off of a close loss, okay? So you had your toughest game, and then you lose, and then you come out and have a performance like this. I just said that. I'm a broken record. Um, the toughness comes when you come out on top of those games, and then you're prepared, and then you play better the next game. You don't play worse. I think I'll call it now, I guess. I, I just don't think Penn State, at least right now, is ready. I mean everybody was ready to crown drew aller as like the the you know the next best thing in the big 10 and i think he can be i think i mean just judging by that this is this his first interception all season like he can be a very effective quarterback um but the team is just not ready uh, allen and i think singleton still have one more year if they don't go to the draft which i i, I mean who knows um, but that's a strong pull, especially with NIL. Like, hey, you have a more experienced quarterback in Aller. Um, you could have a you could have probably the best running back duo in the Big Ten. Um, and then, like you said in previous episodes, Alex, they've been recruiting some dogs um, to fill in and and keep that elite defense. So there's a lot on the line for Penn State. But I think next year is the year where you could see the momentum finally shift and pieces fall in order because. It seemed like that could be the year this year, but then you had a question mark. Really, if if we were really being honest with ourselves, we had a question mark at quarterback. How good was Drew Aller going to be?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. They are in the middle of a two-year window right now where they have a chance to get over the hump and win the Big Ten and potentially a national championship. So, you know, we'll watch how the, this team plays for the rest of this year and see if they have optimism or pessimism going into next year. All right, let's talk about Maryland Jesus, guys. I don't want to talk Maryland, about Maryland. I don't either, but unfortunately they play in the conference that we host a podcast they about. They stink. They stink, man. Maryland loses to Northwestern 33-27. to Loxley said at Big Ten media days before the season that he finally was prepared to say that he had a team that was ready to compete for Big Ten championships. Eh, wrong answer. This was a really bad game. This was a really bad game. Talia did not play well. He threw. It was his only interception in the game, but it was the game sealing interception as they were trying to drive and and um, and actually take the lead against Northwestern. Um, you know what? Let's talk about the winner. Props to freaking Northwestern. They're four and four, Corey. They're four and four. They won a single football game last year, and they actually had NFL-caliber players on the team. They may have – I mean, I'm not in-depth scouting Northwestern every week, so I'm going to guess that they don't have an NFL player on the roster right now. Maybe they do. Maybe they're hiding them. I don't know. But I know for a fact they had NFL talent on the roster last year, and now they don't. And then they went through one of the most tumultuous, chaotic – off seasons literally like a month and a half two months before the season started that i can remember and they're four and four with a win over maryland and then they even kept games close that i didn't expect them to keep close they came back against minnesota they're playing good football like they're playing scrappy football they're i feel like they're kids that are just playing for a player's coach right now
0: you want to know something northwestern please northwestern is going to be bowl eligible I'm claiming that right now. No way. Look at, So they play Iowa this week. Then they play at Wisconsin. So I'm assuming those two are losses. But then they get Purdue at home, and then they go to Illinois. Now, you tell me, okay, you have, a, you have a home game at Northwestern against Purdue. Okay, Purdue is a hapless football team right now. Okay, I'm taking Northwestern in that game. I'll take them to win outright right now. I feel pretty comfortable about that. Let's say they get that fifth win against Purdue. You now have something immensely important to play for, given everything that's happened with this season, going on the road at Illinois, who probably is not going to be in that same situation. I'll take a quick glance at Illinois' schedule right now, but Illinois plays Minnesota on the road, then they get Indiana at home, and then they have to go to Iowa and play, and then they have Northwestern. I don't think Illinois beats Minnesota. They can beat Indiana, but still, then you have to get uh, two more wins against Iowa and Northwestern.
1: But if they do beat Minnesota, the Illinois-Northwestern game will be really interesting. They're, they will both be playing for bowl eligibility.
0: I don't think they're going to beat Minnesota. I think Minnesota's playing a little bit different inspired football right now because they've, they've, they can play for the, the division crown. Illinois is out. So I, 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 I there's something there. That coach is <laughs> – they pulled out a win against a very talented – and regardless of everything else that's been happening with Maryland – a very talented Maryland team that nobody expected them to do except us because we're geniuses here at the at Big Banter.
1: Um, we did. That was a Big Banter lock
0: that Northwestern was going to cover. The grossest super lock we've ever had, but we were right. So uh, I will say this about Maryland. Where's Roman Hemby? Literally. They had 117 he- rushing yards in this game, but one dimensional. One, I should he, get only that had, on
1: a- he only had four carries.
0: I should get that, on, unless he got hurt. I guess if, if I wasn't watching this game close enough. Get that tattooed on my chest, bro. You cannot be a one-dimensional offense. You cannot have uh, Tagovailoa throw it 47 times. That's just not, you can't have that. Can't have no, that No, absolutely
1: can't have that. Because the more throws he gets, the the greater the opportunity for him to make a great error. And I think on top of that, just watching this game, Northwestern played tougher. They made tougher plays. They refused to go down easy on tackles. They looked like the team that wanted to win more. And I think because of that, they did. All right, let's talk about, let's go to Minnesota. Minnesota beats Michigan state at home. They beat them 27 to 12. I believe eighth in Cali McManus. Our boy, He he had a pretty good game. 14 to 22, 200 yards to the air and a touchdown. Um, Jordan Newbin for Minnesota rushed for 204 yards and two touchdowns, averaged over five a carry. Bro, that boy came out of nowhere mm. and looked really, really freaking good. Um, Michigan State is in shambles. They actually ended up switching quarterbacks again for this game. I wonder who actually led them in passing. Kaden Hauser led them in passing, but... Sam Levitt actually came in and, and relieved him for I believe a couple of drives. I think it was multiple. He did. Um, yeah. So Michigan State is just—they're just not a good football team at all. They're—they're they're playing for next year. Yeah, we've—we've we've, we've said that. Uh, I will be. They're—they're will... they're playing for Urban Meyer. That's what they're doing.
0: Oh boy, uh, that could be gaining some steam, but that's for a different time. Uh, roll with Levitt. See what you got there, because uh, he moved the ball well. I was listening to this game pretty closely. Uh, And again, hey, I'm telling you guys, I said it once in a cold open, listen to broadcasts. If you're driving someplace, just put a game on because it's fun. I'm having fun doing this and just getting some uh, greater perspective. Uh, Levitt looked and sounded at least on my end pretty pretty good he ran the offense pretty well and he he was the guy who was like playing inspired football once he got put into this game and I threw an interception that was pretty big uh after Michigan State got the ball back and was trying to drive and put themselves back into this game uh but the story of this game had to have been uh Jordan Newbin, um and this was a guy who wasn't even supposed to play um he got he got the majority of carries due to injury. And I believe his brother is on the defensive side of the ball. So he was just losing his mind for him. Um, two touchdowns, 204 yards, 40 carries. I mean, you want to talk about a workhorse. Um, Minnesota was just the better team. Um, and they pulled away 400 total yards uh, to Michigan's 299. So difference of a hundred yards, but I didn't even think
1: Michigan moved the ball that much. And, um, don't don't say, don't say Michigan say Michigan state we Sorry. don't want people we don't want the people to be confused i, I misspoke
0: um but yeah i i thought minnesota was going to come out in this game play for something uh they took care of business and there's not really much else to say about that uh caliak uh, yes he had a good enough game um he needs to be better uh because i think there was a couple of throws that he missed in crucial times Um, But the Minnesota defense played really, really well for the majority of this game, Um, and that's how they're going to have to win the West is by being nails um, on the defensive side of the ball or just run it with Newbin and hope he runs off for another 200-yard game.
1: Okay, let's talk about the last game really quick for just a minute or two, and then we'll break down some Big Ten West standings. Um, let me get those pulled up on my computer real quick while we talk about the Nebraska Corn Huskers. They beat Purdue 31 to 14. I don't want to focus on Purdue. They're bad. We know it. But Nebraska, see, I I picked the under, I believe, on Nebraska's win total. I forget what the exact number was, but I believe I picked the under because I said it doesn't go well in Matt Rule's first year at particularly a college destination because here are the last two places he's been in college and what his win totals were in his first 3 years, okay? At Temple. Went 2 and 10, then 6 and 6, then 10 and 4. Okay? But he started off with 2 wins at Baylor. 1 and 11, then 7 and 6, then 11 and 3. Okay? It always takes him 3 years to get to double digits and he starts off abysmal. 1 win in his first season at Baylor. He did not take over a good Nebraska football team. And he also took over a Nebraska football team where he made the wrong quarterback decision for the first two weeks. And now they're 5-3 and three and they're going to be bowl eligible more than likely at some point this season. To overcome a bad QB choice in your first two weeks and be 5-3 and three with a third of your season still to play and you're playing for bowl eligibility... That's extremely impressive by Nebraska. Extremely impressive by Matt Rule and Cornhusker fans should be very heavy.
0: I don't really have anything much to say about this game other than the line moved ridiculously. I think at one point Nebraska was a two and a half to three and a half point favorite. I'm not quite sure at kickoff this game was even, and I think it might Purdue might have been even, uh, might have even been favored before kickoff. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what kind of money was being thrown around in Vegas, but uh, what a crazy game and uh, what an overthink because Nebraska had total control. Um, And kudos to the Cornhuskers. Again, say it every week. uh, These guys are dying for a winner, and maybe you'll get something to cheer for that's pretty significant this year. Interestingly enough, Harburg only completed six passes in this game. And Nebraska won thirty-one to fourteen. That's crazy. You're not going to be able to do that. But uh, they also had 155 rushing yards um, and a ton of turnovers. But it's just one of those games that doesn't make sense. And what do we know about Purdue football? They don't make sense ever.
1: No, they don't. So let's let's update the Big Ten West Division standings really quick, and then we'll call it an episode because we're pushing an hour. Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Wisconsin are all tied for first in the Big Ten West at three and two. Then you've got Northwestern at two and three, and you've got Illinois and Purdue bringing up the rear, both at one and four. Corey, this is going to be chaos. They are making the last ride in the Big Ten West Division a wild one.
0: Indeed, they are, and it's beautiful. What a what a, what a touching send off for this division it had to end this way i hope you guys realize this you you do know there was no other way there was not somebody who's going to be a barn burner no no in a blaze of glory crap shoot one last time one final dance big 10 west football maybe Can we get a last dance documentary for this season of big 10 football? No, what we're going to get is we're going to get a stupid Connor stallions documentary on the scandal because I, we have to end. Was he on the central Michigan sideline?
1: If he was, he was wearing a wig, man. And I, maybe he is that crazy. I don't know. I don't want to believe he's that crazy, but he might be that crazy. I think I think he was, which means he's an absolute psychopath, which means he needs to not work in college football ever again. No, he's gonna get,
0: he might get hired by the FBI, but
1: <laughs> his undercover work speaks for itself.
0: Or would he get hired by the FBI because a bunch of Twitter sleuths figured it out?
1: Hmm. hmm. Maybe not. All right, well, that's going to do it for Big Banner, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Uh, we did not get to the fan questions on this episode. Make sure you turn tune in for the episode with the picks. It's going to come out later this week, either Thursday or we might have to push it to Friday. We got Halloween and and stuff going on with us, but uh, tune in on that episode. Fan questions will be there, and we got a bunch of good one this good one good ones this week from Instagram. So. Thank you for listening. Follow us on the socials, like, and subscribe wherever you listen on Apple and Spotify. And we'll talk to you later this week. Peace.